All right. Thank you much. Be seated, please. First Corinthians. Actually, keep standing. Actually, keep standing. Go to First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. I had a little problem with that special. Usually during the special, I try to review my notes. I couldn't pay a bit of attention to my notes because the special was so good. I went over four pages. I don't have a clue of what I read. But I was too interested to hear that. Good job. First Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse number 12. Several ifs here. I want you to look at the ifs, and then we're going to get to another word that I'm going to point out to you in just a moment. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, I'll say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we have found false witness of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But that's where it changes. He says, now, if Jesus isn't the Son of God, if He didn't die for our sins, if He died and He's still in the grave somewhere, they just moved Him in the night, if we're not going to rise again, if there's no hope of eternal life, then this is all pointless. Let's all just pack up and go home. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. I want to talk to you this morning for just a little bit on this phrase. It's not in vain. Heavenly Father, I pray that you help us to rejoice together a little bit this morning as we go through this thought. But beyond that, God, I pray that you'll help us for many days to come, not just simply to rejoice, but to work diligently, realizing that our faith is not in vain. Make it so, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. First of all, this morning, I want to say that our salvation is not in vain. I'm here to tell you today that the Muslims' belief in Allah and the prophet Muhammad are in vain. But our salvation is not in vain. The Buddhist belief in their big belly Buddha, that's in vain. But our salvation is not in vain. The Hindus' worship of cows and thousands and thousands of idols, that's in vain. But our salvation is not in vain. The Jehovah's Witnesses' works religion and the following of Joseph Smith, that is all in vain. But our salvation is not in vain. The teachings of the Mormon church and the thousands of miles they make it on their little bicycles is in vain. But our salvation is not in vain. 
The Catholics relying on sacraments and sprinklings and confessions and prayers to Mary and all the saints. That is all in vain. But our salvation is not in vain. The church of Christ trusting in baptism to be cleansed is in vain. That's just water like the water you drink or you bathe in. Oh, but our salvation is not in vain. The Lutherans believing in good works and moral behavior is in vain. But our salvation is not in vain. The Charismatics relying on speaking in tongues or having an experience is in vain. But our salvation is not in vain. Now, if there was no Christ, if there was no cross, if there was no shed blood, if there was no heavenly mercy seat, if there was no empty tomb, if there was no resurrection of the dead, then we also would have a religion and a belief and a salvation that was in vain. Oh, but I like that word that we read that says, but I am here to tell you Jesus is the Son of God. He did go to Calvary. He did shed his blood for you and for me. He did die on that cross. He was buried in that tomb. And he did rise again the third day. And he did enter into the heavenly holy of holies. And he did sprinkle his perfect blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And he did sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. And it was completed, full, paid forever, once and for all. Hey, dear brother... If you've trusted that blood, and you've trusted that Christ, and you've trusted that resurrection, your salvation is not in vain. Every other religion of the world says you either obtain salvation or you maintain salvation by your own. But we believe that Jesus paid it all. And our salvation is not in vain. Every other religion in the world has a God or a leader that died or is going to die. But there ain't any of them going to get up again. But I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives. He lives. Hey, I got a biblical proof for you. There is a Christ who rose again. And because of that, our salvation is not in vain. My salvation is real. My salvation is complete. My salvation is paid in full. My salvation is by grace, through faith, not of works, on Christ alone, and it is not in vain. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. This morning, if you're born again, you can rejoice that your salvation is not in vain. Philippians chapter 2, flip over there, I see another aspect of this matter of Christianity that I want to encourage you with this morning, that it's not in vain. I had a young man asked me one time this statement. He said, Brother Botman, do you think it's worth it? Now, different than how Brother Ray was asked a similar question about serving God, this young man was not talking about serving God. This young man was talking about living for God. 
This young man was talking about being faithful in church and not going to the parties and not going to what the world had to offer. And he just didn't know if he was missing out on something by living this life that God expected him to live. And he says, is it worth it? Am I spinning my wheels? Am I going to regret the fact that I live for God? And I told him, no, it's not in vain. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15, that ye be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Secondly, today, I will tell you your separation from the world. He says, I'm supposed to be blameless. I'm supposed to be harmless. I'm supposed to be without rebuke. I'm supposed to shine as a light in this wicked old world. I'm supposed to be different than what the world is. And I can promise you, though that's not always easy, and though you're going to have to take a stand from time to time, and though you might be ridiculed and criticized by those around you, and you might not be the most popular with the world, I promise you, your stand for Jesus Christ and your separation from this world, it's not in vain. You will stand before God one day. You will answer to God one day. You'll look back on your life and he'll look back on your life and he'll see how separated you were or were not from the world and you will be glad that day that you did not live it in vain. Some may say this thing of holy living is not worth it. Some may say that this thing of standards is overrated. Some may say that there's no point to live in a separated life. Some may think that you're missing out by not doing what the world does. Come on now, Brother Botman. If my salvation is not by works and I don't have to do good works to maintain my salvation, why am I supposed to not do what the world does? And why am I supposed to do what God tells me to do? It seems like that's a whole lot of effort for nothing. Oh, no, it's not in vain. First of all, I'll say that the reason for holy living is not in vain is because of what you miss out on. Well, Brother Bob, that's what I'm concerned about. I don't want to miss out on anything. Well, you can separate from smoking and miss out on lung cancer. I'm glad I missed out, aren't you? You can separate from drinking and miss out on killing somebody in a car wreck. You can separate from gambling and miss out on poverty. You can separate from immodesty and miss out on lust and adultery and rape. You can separate from pornography and miss out on a perverted, reprobate mind. You can separate from rock music and miss out on rebellion and crime and hatred. You can separate from fornication and miss out on disease and abortion. You can separate from adultery and miss out on divorce. You can separate from the wrong crowd and miss out on impurity and regret and jail time. You can separate from sin and miss out on judgment. Hey, I'm glad that I decided to separate from the world because of what I've missed out on. You see, the world will offer you much, but they don't show you the final result. Uh, The world never... Let you pay for it all up front. It's always a payment plan. Matter of fact, in most cases, the first payment's free. Uh, 90 days, same as cash. 
Hey, all you got to do is just try this one little cigarette. And matter of fact, all you got to do is try this one little bit of liquor. And all you got to do is try shooting up. And all you got to do is try this marijuana. And all you got to do is try this uh, pleasure with sin for a season. Hey, we won't even charge you up front. We'll just let you in on it free. But there is a payday coming. And I promise you, at the end of that season, there's a price to pay that's bigger than you want to pay. And it's a wonderful thing to miss out on sin because you'll live a separated life. It's not in vain. There's a good cause behind it. But he goes on and he says here, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? For hath concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Or the temple of the living God? As God has said, I'll dwell in them and walk in them. I'll be their God. They shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Now listen, he doesn't stop there. He said, and I will receive you. Now, hang on. Does God receive you in salvation because of your separation? Yes or no? No. So he's not talking about if you'll separate from the world, I'll receive you as in you'll get saved. Hey, when you got saved, God didn't receive you. You received God. That's not talking about this. What he's talking about here is, he goes on to say, I will be a father unto you. Ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. What he's saying is, hey, I've got a special relationship for those that draw unto me by getting away from the world. So not only am I excited about the separation in my life, I see that it's not in vain because of what I miss out on, but I also say it's not in vain because of what I get. You see, because I get a closeness with God, I get a blessing from God, I get an increased benefit package from God when I choose to turn my back on what the world has to offer and I choose to turn myself unto Jesus Christ and draw closer to Him. He says, you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. I'll receive you. I'll bring you in close. I'll give you a special relationship that I do not have with those that have not separated from the world. When we separate from the world and unto Christ, we're getting closer to Him. We can turn loose of the old relationship with the world and grab hold of a new, close relationship with Jesus Christ. But my friend, you can only reach so far. And there's no way you can reach as far as this world has gone and still reach where God is. You're going to have to make a choice to turn loose of one or the other. You cannot serve two masters. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, I want to be close to God because I like the blessing, and I like the close relationship, and I like the answered prayer, and I like how the peace of God fills my heart. I want to be close to God, but I also want to hang on to what the world has over here, and I also want to dress like the world, and walk like the world, and talk like the world, and party with the world, and do what the world does. I just want a little bit of both. You can't stretch that far. You're going to have to choose. And God says, if you'll separate from them, now you can draw close to me. And I'll give you something that you can't have if you choose not to do that. 
It's not in vain to be separated, not only because of what you miss out on, but because of what you get. I think that God has many children that live estranged to Him. Oh, He's still their father. They're still saved, but there's no closeness of relationship. Some of you someday might have a child that chooses to go their own way. Will they still be yours? Sure. Will you still love them? Yeah. But will you be close? No. Not because that relationship is not available, but because they've chose to grab hold of something else instead. You might have a child that does right, talks to you, obeys, communicates, seeks to please you. Is that your child too? Yeah, they both are. But with one, they've allowed you to remain close to them. The other has distanced themselves from you because they've chosen to grab hold of something or someone else. God is not going to come to the world to get you. He's asking you to turn away from the world to come get him. He put the responsibility on you first. You draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you. You come out from among them and be separate. Then I'll receive you, and we'll have a close relationship together. You see, it's just not about rules. It's just not about regulations. It's just not about standards. It's just not about convictions. It's about, it's not in vain to be separated from the world because of what you miss and what you gain. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, look over there if you will. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, not only is my salvation not in vain this morning, not only is separation not in vain, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 1, for yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. Now here's Paul and those that traveled with him writing back to the church at Thessalonica. He calls them brethren. They're now saved people. And he takes their memories back to that day that he showed up in Thessalonica. And they heard of this man who used to be Saul that's now become Paul and Barnabas has brought him in and the church at Antioch has brought him in and others have said, hey, this guy is doing something and he comes to this country of, uh, or the city of Thessalonica, and there are these Gentiles who do not know God, and do not know the plan of salvation, and do not know the gospel, and do not know about Jesus Christ. He comes and he tells them the good news that they can be saved. He spends much time there, and he builds that church in Thessalonica. Now he writes back, and he says, do you remember when we first entered in unto you? I'm sure there were some that didn't want to hear it. I'm sure there were some that were skeptical. I'm sure there were some that turned their back. I'm sure there were some that went away from where Paul was and didn't show up at the preaching meeting and never joined the church and slammed their door on his face and didn't listen to the gospel. But, oh, there were some that did. And he says, I promise you this, my coming unto you, my entrance in unto you, my showing up on your doorstep, my giving you a gospel tract, my knocking on your door, my preaching of the word, you coming to the service, you getting saved, that was not in vain. Boy, I'm glad I came to Thessalonica 
And I bet they were too. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully treated, as ye know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor in guile, but we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our heart. Oh, Paul reminds the church at Thessalonica that he's thankful he took the time to witness to them. And now there's a great church there because Paul and those that were with him were bold about sharing the gospel. Did everyone that Paul witnessed to get saved? No, but it sure was worth it for those that did. And I can promise you that now, these almost 2,000 years later, my soul winning and your soul winning is not in vain. He writes similar words to the church at Corinth. Moreover, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received wherein ye stand, by which ye are also saved, if ye keep the memory of what I preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain. Brother Botman, you do know that it's Texas, right? You do know that Saturdays is hot, right? You do know that we sweat out there, right? You do know that sometimes people are not friendly, right? You do know that some days they don't want to get up early and go out soul winning, right? You know that sometime on Thursday night I'm tired from work. I don't want to come on the college and career bus. And I don't want to pass out a track all the time because I'm busy and I'm in a hurry. And I'm on my way there and on my way here. And Brother Bob, you do understand that sometimes it's a lot of work. And sometimes there's rejection. And sometimes it just don't feel good. And sometimes it rains. And sometimes it doesn't rain. And sometimes it's cold. And sometimes it's hot. I can promise you for every person that trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior... Your soul winning is not in vain. It's worth it, dear brother, to just keep on going. Not everyone I witness to will get saved. Not everyone you witness to will get saved. Not everyone that we witness to will get saved. Oh, but many will, and our soul winning is not in vain. Not everyone that comes to church will get saved. Not everyone that rides a bus will get saved. Not everybody that comes to children's church will get saved. Not everybody that visits your Sunday school class will get saved. Not everybody that comes to the first-timers class will get saved. All but many will, and our soul winning is not in vain. Not all your co-workers will get saved. Not all your neighbors will get saved. Not all your classmates will get saved. Not all your acquaintances will get saved. Not all your relatives will get saved. But many will, and your soul winning is not in vain. Oh, Brother Botman, not everybody that reads a track is going to get saved, are they? Not everybody that has their door knocked on will get saved, will they? Not everybody that we stop on the sidewalk will get saved, will they? No, but many will, and your soul winning is not in vain. Not everybody will stop and listen. Not everybody will want to hear. Not everybody will trust Jesus Christ. Not everybody will come to church. Not everybody will walk the aisle. Not everybody will get baptized. Not everybody will join the church. Not everybody will stick it out. Not everybody will stay faithful faithful. Not everybody will become fruitful. Oh, but many will. And your soul winning is not in vain. Matthew chapter 13 and 3 says, And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Verse 4, And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. 
Verse 5, some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and they became, because they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But, verse 8, but other fell into good ground, and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, and some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. You see, for the sake of those in verse 8, we keep sowing in verse 4. For the sake of those in verse 8, we keep sowing in verse 5. For the sake of those in verse 8, we keep sowing in verse 6. For the sake of those in verse 8, we keep sowing in verse 7. Hey, you don't know who your verse 8 person is, but you just keep sowing the seed, and you just keep passing out tracks, and you just keep knocking on doors, and you just keep visiting on your bus route, and you just keep bringing kids to church, and you just keep sticking them in the first-timer class. And I promise you, at some point, there'll be a verse 8 person that that seed falls on good ground and they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior and they come back again next week and they keep coming back and they learn to be a soul winner and they come to Bible college and they start a church and many will be saved because you just did quit because your soul winning is not in vain. I know this. If the college students would have quit sowing because not everybody gets saved. Over 2,000 people last year would still be on their way to hell. But our soul winning was not in vain. If our missionaries quit because not everybody gets saved, over 2 million people last year saved through our soul winners on foreign soil would still be on their way to hell. Well, I'm glad they didn't quit just because not everybody gets saved. Because they realized their sowing is not in vain. If whoever told you and whoever told me the gospel story quit sowing because not everybody gets saved, you might still be on your way to hell. But I'm glad somebody decided their sowing was not in vain. So my word shall be going forth out of my mouth and it shall not return Unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Hey, our sowing is not in vain. So let's keep passing out tracts, and let's keep knocking on doors, and let's keep running buses. And let's keep telling our Sunday school kids. And let's keep talking to strangers. And let's keep going out sowing them. And let's keep talking to our neighbors. And let's keep talking to our co-workers. And let's not give up on our relatives. Why? Because your soul winning is not in vain. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Not only is our salvation not in vain. Not only is our separation not in vain, not only is our soul winning not in vain, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the what? Work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that you're what? Labor is not in what? Vain in the Lord. 
Last of all, I remind us that our service for God is not in vain. In most cases, the employment we have where we give 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 hours of our week will come to naught. Most of what we work for, we will leave behind. All of our possessions are only temporal. Most of our labor only affects this life. But what we do for Christ is eternal. It lays up treasure in heaven. It lives beyond this life. And you've got God's promise that your service for God, your work for God, your labor for God is not in vain in the Lord. So when we prepare a lesson to teach some boys or girls in Sunday school class, yes, it's labor, but our service is not in vain. When we work in a children's church, it's labor, but our service is not in vain. When we visit on a bus route, it's labor, but our service is not in vain. When we practice and sing in choir or sing a special, it takes work, but our service is not in vain. When we visit in a nursing home, our service is not in vain. When we help the sick or care for the fatherless or support the widow or comfort the hurting, our service is not in vain. When we give our tithes and send our money to our missionaries, our service is not in vain. When we pray for the brethren and bear one another's burdens, our service is not in vain. When we encourage the discouraged and we lift up the fallen and strengthen the weak, our service is not in vain. Brother Botman, Sundays wear me out. Praise the Lord. That means you are working. That means you are laboring. And your service has eternal value. And it's not in vain in the Lord. Brother Botman, I don't know if it's worth it to keep visiting on my bus route. Oh, yeah, it is. Your service is not in vain. Brother Bowen, I don't know if it's worth it to keep teaching. Yeah, it is. You can get through it. You just hang in there and remember your service is not in vain. When we get to heaven and we get to see the reward, we get to see the lives that we've touched, we get to see the tragedies we avoided, we get to see all the hearts that were restored, we get to see all the marriages that were renewed. We get to see all the fruit of our labor. And God reminds us that he kept track of everything that we did and every hour of service and every door that we knocked and every kid that we visited and every kid that came to our class and every message that we preached and every person that we encouraged and every hand that we shut. Hey, you'll rejoice. Hey, my labor was worth it. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. My service for God is not in vain. Man, I've been tired before. Have you ever been tired? I mean, you're tired right now. I've been tired before. I live tired. I wake up tired. I sleep tired. I walk tired. I work tired. I've been tired so many times I'm retired. But do you know what? I'd much rather be tired doing the work of God than tired doing anything else in the world. 
I've been tired from playing basketball, but there's no eternal reward for that. I've been tired from playing football, but there's no eternal reward for that. I've been tired from working hard. And I think you ought to work hard, but there's no eternal reward for that. I've been tired from building buildings, but there's no eternal reward for that. I've been tired from mowing lawns, but there's no eternal reward for that. I've been tired from digging holes, but there's no eternal reward for that. But bless God, every night when I lay my head on my pillow and I'm tired for giving all that I had for Jesus Christ, my labor is not in vain in the Lord. I've got an eternal reward waiting for me one day. If I'm going to be tired, I'm going to be tired from serving Christ. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work or labor of love, which ye have showed towards his name, and that he ministered to the saints and do minister. Will there be days you want to quit? Yes. Will there be days you want to give up? Yes. Will there be days you're ready to throw in the towel? Yes. Will there be days you want to resign or retire? Yes. Will there be days you're so frustrated you're considering murder or suicide? Yes. But your service is not in vain. Will there be long days? Yes. Will there be weary days? Yes. Will there be hard days? Yes. Will there be difficult days? Yes. Will there be disappointing days? Yes. Will there be discouraging days? Yes. Will there be depressing days? Yes. But your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Will it always go smooth? No. Will you always see success? No. Will you always feel appreciated? No. Will there be times that you can't see progress being made? Yeah. Will you always understand the impact and the value that you're making? No. But our labor of love, our work in the ministry, our service for the Lord, our reaching into the lives of others never goes unnoticed from God. I will not forget your labor of love. I was in Walmart the other day, my home away from home. And I handed a lady a gospel track. And she said, my kids ride to that church on the bus. They love it. They're learning so much. Somebody's labor, not in vain. I witnessed to another lady on her doorstop, and she said, I used to go to that church when I was a kid. I said, is that right? How long ago was that? I shouldn't ask that question. Her answer, a long time. She didn't want to answer that question. I said, well, let me ask you this. If you died today, on a scale of 1 to 100, how sure would you be of heaven? She said, 100%. I said, wow, I don't meet too many folks that are 100%. What would I have to do to be 100%? She'd say, you'd have to do what I did at that church. I said, what'd you do at that church? She said, I walked an aisle 
And somebody showed me from the Bible how I could go to heaven. And I prayed and asked Jesus in my heart. Somebody's labor, not in vain. You look out on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, and you see people in the pew that were reached because we knocked on a door. We ran a bus down a street. We weren't next to them, and we invited them to church. We gave them the gospel. And you're reminded, our labor's not in vain. I came to the gymnasium on Saturday night to help some folks get some bunk beds that were selling. And I looked into the couple's activity, and I saw Trey and his wife that I led to Christ about a year ago. Still coming to church on Sunday morning and Sunday nights. Went to the discipleship program. Helped Brother Butler do some electrical work. Get the schools ready for school. They're at an activity. Laughing. Having fun. And I was reminded. My labors. Not in vain. In the Lord. You never know. About the one to whom or for whom you labor. A Dallas newspaper told the story of after President John F. Kennedy was assassinated, a Baptist Sunday school teacher said that long ago a young man came into his class a couple times. He never took the time to follow up on the boy because he was just so busy. And within about a month, he just disappeared and didn't come back anymore. And when the news came out, he remembered that name, Lee Harvey Oswald. And he sat down in his chair and he wept. And he said, boy, I wonder if I'd been more diligent as a Sunday school teacher. That young man that just killed the president sat in my class for three weeks, and I never went after him. A rough boy caused some trouble in another Sunday school class one day. The Sunday school teacher had had a rough week and was at their wits end to start with. The morning had not gone well. Problems on the way to class. Felt disheveled when they got there. And to be honest, the little boy just got on his last nerve. He wouldn't shut up. He wouldn't listen in class. He wouldn't do as he was told. The Sunday school teacher just had had all he could take. He walked over to that young man and grabbed him by the arm. And he said, Johnny, if you won't pay attention, I don't want you here. And he marched him to the door of his Sunday school class and he said, you go out that door and you don't come back. And the boy did. He took his advice. And he not only didn't come back to that class but he never came back to church again. And that little Johnny 
was John Dillinger. On the other hand, a Sunday school teacher outside of Boston shoe store paced on the sidewalk, considering whether or not to go in and visit that boy from his Sunday school class. He really didn't want to. He tried to convince himself, well, he looks busy in there. He's sweeping. Maybe I'll come back another time. But he forced himself to go on in and talk to him anyway. And when he did, they talked about the gospel. And that boy got saved right there in that storeroom. His name was Dwight. We know him as D.L. Moody. You see, your service for the Lord is not in vain. A Sunday school teacher that taught a five-year-old class, a little lady named Mrs. Bethel, one day had a little boy come into her class, no shoes on his feet, holes in his pants, just a little five-year-old toe-headed boy. He seemed shy. He seemed backward. He seemed uncertain about being in this room without his mama. And that teacher said, why don't you come sit up here in my lap? And as he gave the lesson, as she gave the lesson, that little boy sat in her lap and he looked down at her Bible and he looked at her lesson book. And about partway through that lesson, he tugged on her blouse and he says, Mrs. Bethel, what do you want, son? Do you think God loves me as much as the boys and girls with shoes? And she said, oh, little Jackie boy, I think he loves you just as much as the boys and girls with shoes, maybe even more. And that little Jackie boy kept coming back to a class where a teacher loved him and told him of a God that loved him. And that little Jackie boy became Jack Hiles. You never know what your service this week could do. Which will be your story someday? I had a little Johnny in my class that got on my nerve. Or I had a little Jackie boy that I faithfully told about Jesus. Your labor is not in vain. But if you give up, then your labor is of no count. Heavenly Father, help us please to go another week, teach another class.